Welcome to the Coochie Cast, episode 11, Into the Coochieverse. We're finally doing it. We're finally talking about Runaway AU. <laughs> and also assorted other AUs. AUs are very, very important to a fandom. Especially the Coochie fandom, because that is how we continue living. Yeah, how do, how do you think we've gone on this long? <laughs> I mean, we still get new content, we still have the manga ongoing, but... You, you don't really see as much for, like, other aspects of the fandom. Then again, I may not be following the right people. Yeah, I wish... <laughs> I, I feel like I agree with you, but also I don't know that I see much of the other fandom. <laughs> it's a really separated. Yeah, the, the Kuji fandom definitely sticks together the strongest. <laughs> we are held together by super glue. Anyway, my name is Kat, my pronouns are he and him, I am an artist in the fandom, and I do hasty translations, haven't done much of those lately, but the ones that I have done you can find on my Tumblr blog, Kyoto's on my. I am a runaway AU truther, it is absolutely canon, and I refuse to believe otherwise. And as for my social medias, you can find me at It's Kyoto on Twitter, and at Let's Kyoto on my live tweet Twitter. You can also find me at my art account if you don't want to get retweet spammed and you just want to see what I'm up to. You could follow that at kudosukat on Twitter. Hello, I am Faye. My pronouns are she, her. Uh, I'm kind of an artist and a writer for the fandom. Um, and this podcast will be my evidence for why Chikai is actually alive. Part 1 out of 9,264. And you can find me on Twitter at toymoney 2 os uh, and Toy Kuji on AO3. Of course, heed the content warnings. There is a lot of shippiness going on. And also stuff related to the AUs we're going to be talking about. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, we should just, just in case, have a content warning for the things that might come up in the AU. Especially the runaway AU. I'm sorry, it's unavoidable. It's unavoidable at this point, now that we're reaching the fandom. And you can also find us on Twitter at KujiCast. Yeah, we, we have a Twitter <laughs> where we post updates and stuff because we frequently go on breaks so as to prevent burnout for the only editor points to self. <laughs> Poor cat. It's a labor of love. I mean, what else am I going to do while I'm not in college? This is a good use of your time. You can put this on your resume. I mean, I could. I literally could. <laughs> now, Runaway AU. Runaway AU, baby! Now this AU, um, so the, I guess we're gonna kind of focus on the Anime Bros cover, but even before that, there was a Runaway AU, like pretty much as soon as episode 9 ended, Runaway AU came into existence. Because we couldn't, we j we needed to cope with the fact that we lost our one and only. <laughs> it was just too sad. Good night, sweet prince. It was too sad, so... Instead of uh, heeding Sarah's warning to run away from Chikai, we decided that Toy should run away with Chikai, even though the show told us that that is a very bad idea. <laughs> it is a very bad idea, but also, what if they did that? And then, the moment that changed our lives forever, the Anime Bros magazine cover came out. And the fandom fucking exploded. <laughs> 
Like, the cover, I don't think it had anything to do with, like, the article at hand. No, it was about the stage play. Yeah, it was about the stage play. This has nothing to do with that. It's just glorious. <laughs> it It's just, like, getting this fan AU that's, like, so against kind of the core teachings of the show and the show is like telling you you shouldn't want this but then it's on a magazine cover <laughs> by an official artist it's beautiful it's just a glorified utena reference too <laughs> it's so good okay so to describe this picture for the people listening um if you haven't seen the anime bros cover you definitely should it's gorgeous um and it features toy and shikai they're in a car um which will become known as the Akio car. And um, they're in new clothes and Toy is like throwing money into the air. They're both happy. They're both smiling. It's beautiful. It's just so wonderful. The money is just flying all around the place, but they don't give a fuck. Jakai's just driving the car. He's got a SIG hanging out. Yeah, and so the car they're in... <laughs> it's like a deliberate Utena reference, and uh, Ishikawa even said on Twitter that it is a reference to Utena, what everyone was thinking. Basically, they stole Akio's car and then Chikai converted it into a Toyita car, <laughs> as evidenced by the fact that he gave it a license plate that's Toy's birthday! Oh my god. Oh, that is so cringe, but in like a cute way. I know, it's like, just... <laughs> In the perfect world, which is this AU, he would do that. Oh, this AU is absolutely perfect. Nothing nothing wrong here. <laughs> yeah, it's just in Akio's car. Like, I feel, <laughs> I feel like Akio's car has to come with some kind of ominous feeling because of... If you've seen Utena or you haven't seen Utena, like, this car is... It, so it's the symbol of, like, adulthood and specifically sex. It's very sexual. I mean, there's no, like, the way that it's introduced, just... There's a reason why I call it the Utena fuck car, because that that's all the characters do in it. Yeah, that's pretty much it. It's just Akio driving around these teenagers while they bone in the back of his car, which really lets you know what kind of person Akio is. <laughs> but see here, so the one in the anime bros cover does not have a backseat, because it's just for Chika and Toy. And that's beautiful. I think it beautifully represents how Chikai doesn't fuck. <laughs> He's not letting anyone else in. Uh, of course, I will just, I do have to mention the way that Toys is sitting where, you know, Anthe sits in the, <laughs> in the show. And where Chikai is sitting where Akio sits. I mean, I just, <laughs> I feel like this confirmed what I have been saying for so long. It's just the parallels, like, I would okay. I was getting ready to be I'll like. I agree with you on the parallels part. Yes, because I was like, maybe I'm crazy because no one seems to agree with me on this. Maybe I am incorrect. And then this this image happened, and I was specifically told I am correct. So that's all I have to say. It literally spoke to you. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, you know what, Faye? You are right. You are so right. You understand the Kuji Bros so well. Here you go. Here is your present. I mean, to clarify, like, we'll probably have, like, a dedicated Chikai and Akio Parallels episode or something. The parallels aren't 100%, but there's something there. No, yeah, I think, as a preview, I feel like, I'm not saying that Chikai represents what Akio did, obviously, but, like, I think people tend to also see 
Toy is like an Anthe parallel, but Toy doesn't represent what Anthe did either. So I'm not saying that, I'm just saying there are similarities. There's similarities and they're interesting. Yes. And I just love Toy throwing away the money. It's like they don't need it anymore. They probably robbed Akio, took all of his stuff, sold it. Get his ass. <laughs> yeah, it's just, they're so happy. Toy's smile is so big. He is so happy. I love it for him. And also they're in a whole new wardrobe, which is great. And this time Toy's wearing his parents' colors. Yeah, I feel like Chikai picked it out for him. Also, because they're also Chikai's colors too. This ugly mustard yellow and that deep dark red. It doesn't look too bad, but it's probably because I've looked at this image so much and I'm just happy that Toy is happy. Yeah, Toy makes it work. I think it looks fine on him. And he's just so naturally fashionable. Yes, he is cute. It's wonderful. I kind of want to cosplay it. You should. It's really cute. <laughs> and then Chikai's wearing a turtleneck. Yeah, I know. I don't know why Chikai gets to be fashionable. It's crazy. <laughs> Toy picked that out for him. Oh, that'd be so cute. They picked out each other's outfits. <gasps> I love it. And Shikai's smoking. It's a common theme in Kayoko Ishikawa's illustrations of him. Yeah, I like to think it's like when Shikai has Toy around, he doesn't need the lollipops anymore. But he still has like a fixation that he needs to quell. So he just takes up smoking because he's full of bad ideas. Either that or Ishikawa-san just really likes to see him smoke. <laughs> Oh, right. Now we have to actually describe Runaway AU. Oh, right. <laughs> instead of the instead of just the image, now we have to talk about what it represents. So Runaway AU is... We've discussed it before. It comes from, like, Sarah telling Toy to run away. But this AU also has another name called the Chikai Survives AU. So you'll also see it under that tag, like, on Pixiv and stuff. Yeah, so obviously it's just an AU where instead of dying chikai they they actually manage to get away somehow their plan works out and they they leave asakusa and uh it just kind of explores what would happen then like what's the plan there what are they going to do now that they're gone and they just have each other there's also different ways you could branch it out you could start it off like keeping taka from shooting chikai or you could have it so that chikai's plan in the first place like the one he references in episode two you could have it so that never fell through mm. and they just make loads of money <laughs> so they don't need to be criminals anymore yeah that was how i always thought of it but like in the novel it talks about how toy toy at least thinks that they're gonna go abroad um and kind of implies that they're gonna be in a life of crime still but yeah it can kind of go anyway like that's what i thought if jikai's plan worked out they would have enough money that they wouldn't have to do that yeah, that's a, that's at least how Chikai made it sound. And what's interesting to explore is, like, where you started off with, like, so maybe Chikai shoots Taka instead, like, before you can get shot, but Chikai still held the gun to Toy's head, and then they run away together. Like, what does that look like? That's kind of awkward. And I own a couple doujins that's, like, one's just straight up in this, in this AU, and another kind of plays with it a little bit. And they both reference that scene where Chikai points the gun at Toy's head, and that's still like a like a memory. Yeah, I think that's like an important point in their relationship that they, I think, probably wouldn't. They would try to ignore for a while, but would eventually come back up. They would have to deal with it at some point. Like in that doujin, I was ta I talked about a couple episodes ago, the one that Ison made, laughing with the fishes. It references that scene, and 
I don't know exactly what happens, and I, but I think they're talking about, like, would you have thrown me away that night? Mm. Or something like that. But Shikai says, oh, of course not. You're the, all I have left. <laughs> and I think I think that's, like, the big thing with Runaway AU, is the fact that they only have each other. Yeah, exactly. And there's, like, the loneliness in that, even though they both kind of have what they want. Yeah, that's why it's kind of a dark ending, because they've both, even though, like, say, they get away and they can, like, go abroad and have a new life, I still don't think that they would make connections with other people, because by, like, having Toy sever that connection with Kazuki and Enta, it seems like they've both decided that, like, they're not going to have any other connection. It's just going to be the two of them for the rest of their lives. That's the feeling that I get from it. And so I don't think they're going to be able to live a normal life after that. It's very much the the codependency show from here on out. Mm-hmm. As if that wasn't already their lives. <laughs> uh, it can definitely be a merry bad end. <laughs> as in, it kind of sucks realistically, but they seem happy about it. Yeah, ultimately... They have both gotten what they want. I think Chikai more so than Toy, because Toy, I think, would have that sadness over leaving Kazuki and Enta behind. But and Chikai doesn't, you know, kind of have that. Like, Toy is the only connection that he's ever had. But yeah, it's, it's, it gets sad to think about, if you think about it too hard, as we have already done. Yeah, so it, it's definitely Mary Baden. They're both happy, but it's also really tragic and dark. It can get dark. But... There's also moments of levity, especially if they have enough for Chikai to be able to treat Toy to stuff. They're not completely scrapped for cash and, like, having to quote-unquote survive. At least Chikai is alive, and that's all we want. Yeah, at least Chikai's alive, and he has to deal with the consequences of his <laughs> actions. And by that I mean he keeps running away from them. <laughs> and now he can't run away from Toy. It's also interesting thinking about this AU from Chikai's perspective now, now that you brought that up. <laughs> Chikai, he's kept his distance from Toy, but now that they're stuck together, he has to see the effects of his actions on Toy. Yeah. And maybe maybe there's some room for reflection <laughs> with this idiot. Yeah, I mean it's really it's really weird to think about because Chikai has kept so much of a distance from Toy, like intentionally, but now, now they've both gotten what they want, and now they're together. And I just, I can't help but see him still keeping that emotional distance because nothing has changed. Like, he hasn't, you know, died or anything. Like, even when he does die, he still keeps that emotional distance. So, like, there's no reason why he would change now. Yeah, exactly. Like, how terrible is that going to be? Like, he's still distant with Toy, but now they're just traveling together constantly. Yeah, something's got to give. Eventually. Also, I put Paradise Warfare on this slide because it's a really good song, but also I just think it's, like, the ultimate theme song (laughs) to Runaway AU. It just completely encapsulates what Runaway AU is to me. I agree. It's very good. And then another AU we want to look at is, I guess, partially big in, like, so we're partially looking at, like, what AUs are big in the fandom, but also what AUs we like. And we like Sisters AU. Yeah, Sisters AU. And I guess we could also talk about, like, general genderbend stuff, because there's a lot of angles you could take with that, but... Yeah, definitely. We're basically just condensing it into Sisters AU. (laughs) 
because already, like, turning them into sisters, it automatically changes their dynamic, doesn't it? Yeah, I think because, like, it's not quite explicitly stated in the show, but it certainly feels like Chikai's storyline and his personality is rooted in toxic masculinity. Like, given the Yakuza connections um, and his unwillingness to be emotionally close to Toy, even when he does care about Toy. But, like, if you turn them into ladies, and now there's already, like, different ways you could do that. Like, either they were girls this entire time, or you could have a Yuri's on my situation, where in Yuri's on my, they all just turned into girls overnight, and now everyone's a lady. <laughs> Like, even if you turn them into girls, that doesn't take away the themes of toxic masculinity. Now you're just seeing them from them being women and girls instead. Like, it's already difficult for them as men. It's probably going to be even more difficult for them as women. So, as I said before, there's a lot of different ways you could see the Seiyu. Uh, the way I see it, <laughs> with the Kuji sisters as both being sisters... No matter what, I always see, like, a gender-bent toy as a tomboy. Basically, just a gender-bend of her male counterpart. <laughs> Personality-wise, very much the same. She's still super into soccer, very sporty. Like, I could still imagine her in skirts and stuff, and I can imagine her, like, only being opposed to it, but only because Chikai wears masculine clothing. So, Toy would want to follow in... Chikainiki's footsteps, but <laughs> I can imagine Chikai not letting her do that. She doesn't get to be Utena. She doesn't get to be the Utena. She's gotta be the Anthe. Oh, That's so sad. <laughs> so, for Chikai, I can imagine her still being the, the same jackass as her male counterpart is, but, like, I can also imagine her sort of being, like, an ara-ara type. <laughs> sort of as a front, kind yeah. of. Until revealing that she's just a, a complete dirtbag. <laughs> like, she will. She, like, rolls up her sleeves and will stab you. Oh yeah, she definitely will. She kind of, yeah, she definitely has two guns. <laughs> two guns, maybe a knife. Definitely a ruler that she keeps between her boobs. <laughs> because, of course. Of course. And I can imagine her wearing masculine clothing because, like, in Chikai fashion, she would have, like, dumb catchphrases like, It's a man's world out there. If you want to survive, you gotta act the part. Or some stupid bullshit like that. <laughs> but, like, oddly, I can imagine her also being, like, more emotionally vulnerable with Toy, but in a way that's, like, detrimental to both of them. I can imagine her letting Toy know, like, how well she's doing or, like how Chikai's feeling and like ranting about her day and her struggles and stuff like that and like not really giving Toy the same room to also do that. I can also imagine her like asking Toy about her day but Toy doesn't want to do so because Toy is just so concerned about Chikai. <laughs> Very much like in canon. Half of my AU is sort is sorta just like literally flipping the genders and that's it with like a couple embellishments. I don't really think about it as deeply as you did. <laughs> no, I mean, I, it's just the way I, usually I just, when I do gender bends, I just like the way I feel, like how I, how I feel like they would feel. I have no real, uh, real deep thoughts behind it. But so for my personal Kuji Sisters AU, I like to think of it as like, I know realistically 
the Yakuza, I'm pretty sure, is a very patriarchal system, um, very male-dominated. But for this AU, like, I just kind of, it's not fun for me to think about, like, Chikai actively struggling with that and, like, having to change herself or something like that to fit into it. So I just like to think there's some Yakuza gender equality. That's just what I'm going to go with, so it's more fun to think about. And I do think, like, it is it is pretty similar to you, like, that I'm just kind of, they're still very much like their canon counterparts. Toy is a tomboy and still plays soccer and stuff like that, and I think Chikai still does not fuck. <laughs> because I, I have seen some stuff where it's like Chikai um, uses her sexuality now that she's a woman. But to me, it's like, well, he doesn't do that when he's a guy, so why does he necessarily have to do that as a woman? Unless you really just want to see female Chikai fuck. I really like Cat's take. I also like to think about it like that. But also just to, to have a different like perspective, I think Chikai could also be like colder to Toy because she both expects more from Toy and feels that like emotions are even more dangerous for a woman to display. Like she has to kind of tamp all of those emotions down possibly even her anger i still think she gets angry and like will stab someone but like i think she has to be necessarily more collected in order to not be dismissed um and i just like to think of toy as even more yandere than in canon just kind of like taking after chikai and totally willing to stab a dude absolutely and like even more eager to impress chikai because she's just like even more colder, but Toy really wants that affirmation, so... <laughs> yeah, Chikai being, like, even harder to impress. Oh, no. Oh, sad. And I think we can just, like, mention that, like, a lot of the time, I think in the Japanese fandom, you get um, male Chikai and younger sister female Toy, which is also good. It's fun. Especially, like, Totoko does a lot of that, and it's very cute. <laughs> And yeah, I think it's I think it's just really funny because imagining Chikai like having to deal with it with a girl like he doesn't understand oh like he's just so terrible. And now imagine now imagine having to deal with a girl. Yeah, to Toy gets her first period, and they both think she's dying. <laughs> he bikes her to the emergency room. Yes, but then they get there, and it's just like horrifically humiliating for the both of them. <laughs> It's so good. That's why I like it. It's it's just hilariously awful for the both of them. But also, Chikai Nesan, toy younger brother, is also very good. Nesan in general is just really good. Nesan is so good. Just love it. I love all of it. I just think it's interesting to explore their dynamic in all those different ways. Yeah, you've done plenty of that in your fanfiction. <laughs> I do. I do have fanfic exploring all of these. Yep. That, that's one way to put it. Very in-depth and psychological, for sure. Yeah, very, very, <laughs> very academic look into these two. Speaking of academic, I am terrible at segues. <laughs> Twins AU. Twins AU. <laughs> Featuring Kat's very good edit of Chikai over, over Kozue and Utena. Kozue was basically the proto-Chikai. Basically, if the Kujis were twins, they would be <laughs> Kozue and Mickey. And also rich and unvaccinated. <laughs> Do you think the Kuji bros are vaccinated, though? 
I can see Chikai, like, once he's a teenager, he just refuses, and then Toy has had, like, no proper adult supervision since he was 10, like, other than Chikai. And Chikai wouldn't. <laughs> but, like, they got they got their vaccinations as babies. Yeah. So, yeah, they're not completely unvaccinated. That's good. That's good. That is good. Toy won't get measles, unlike poor Miki. <laughs> so instead of playing with dynamics in terms of gender, what if you took away their age gap? What then? What would you do? <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting because so much of their dynamic is reliant on that age gap where, you know, Chikai is an adult and Toy is a child. And like, that's kind of the distance between them. Chikai seeing Toy as a child and Toy wanting to be an adult to be with Chikai. But, like, if that's not there, then what is their conflict? So, like, would one still have power over the other? Would they be on the same level? What would their backstory be? It's still gotta be tragic because it's Sarazanmai, but it'd probably be different considering they're the same age. And it's not like one of them can just join the Yakuza at the age of ten. No, but, like, imagine twin Yakuza princes. That would be really good. Yes. <laughs> That's like an AU within an AU. Yes. But I don't think they would join a criminal organization at the age of 10, though. <laughs> but I can't imagine them being like little pickpocketers. Just little petty crime boys. Yes, they have to be because they're the Kujis. <laughs> they're poor and don't have parents. And also Chikai. We already know from the, the Seiyu event, the very important Seiyu event that we didn't get much documentation of. We know that Chikai was a bit of a troublemaker as a kid, and Toy would have to step in and defend him, even though he's a literal baby. Aww. Little baby Toy having to defend his teen brother. That's awful. Nichan did nothing wrong. Aww. I love that, but with twins, that's even better. It's like, he sees Chikai doing everything wrong, but he's still like, <laughs> Nichan did nothing wrong. Yeah, Toy, Toy like, would clearly know that he's just covering for Chikai's stupid ass. But he doesn't care because he loves him anyway. Aww. So yeah, we get Teen Chikai. And also Chikai would have more interactions with the Golden Trio. I mean, I think, like, wouldn't Chikai be unhappy <laughs> with Toy interacting with other people? This is supposed to be their connection. Who are these two chodes? Yep. Very, very Kaoru twins. I mean, honestly, that he would just be Kozue. Like, he would just see Toy interacting with other people and then would go try to kill them. So the beauty of all these AUs, and including the twins AU, is that you can, like, fill in the blanks yourself where the canon has been stripped away. And I kind of did, like, an entire sort of backstory for my personal twins AU. <laughs> I put it all in a Google Doc. Okay, so their parents dying in a motor quote-unquote accident that turns out to not be an accident. But the twins were part of it, so Toy ends up with a broken leg and he isn't able to play soccer. And Chikai feels guilty because he couldn't protect Toy. And also, plot twist, Chikai knew what was going to happen, but he didn't stop it. But he still wanted to protect Toy in that moment. And yet they're the only ones that survived. Oh no. Even though Chikai kind of didn't want to. <laughs> so Chikai's feeling like a whole lot of Nichan guilt. And also going back to the like petty crime thing, you brought up them to using Toy's disability as a distraction. <laughs> and like on some level, Chikai's gotta feel guilty about that. Even though he doesn't want to admit it because he's doing it for them. 
Yeah, and Toy probably hates it too. And so everything's bad. And it gets even worse. It turns out that Toy's leg actually healed pretty quickly, but he still uses it as an excuse to pull Chikai closer to him. So he feigns injuries. Just so Chikai will be worried about him. Toxic twins. Toxic twins, we love to fucking see it. So good. And that also plays into the whole jealousy thing, where Chikai sort of justifies that to himself when he sees Toy playing soccer with Enta and Kazuki, and he's like, oh, you shouldn't be playing on the leg. (laughs) Oh my god, they're so awful, I love it. It's fucked up, but we love it! Yeah, and like, Chikai getting so used to taking care of Toy that like, if Toy starts to go, you know, interact with Kazuki and Enta... Shikai, he feels like he doesn't have a purpose anymore. Oh god. Good stuff. We're talking about this as if it's canon, but we're just making it up as we go along. I love it. (laughs) You basically take these characters and make them into your OCs. But you still keep the- what I love about it is still keeping the, like, canon dynamics and the canon personalities and just, like, changing it enough to fit this new scenario, but still having them recognizably be the canon character. That's what I love about it. It's very important to me that they still remain recognizable, that Chikai is still kind of a little dirtbag. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you can't change. There There's some core fundamental things. But he's still infinitely more likable because, you know, he's a kid here. He's not quite as terrible. <laughs> but he's still, like, he's still the kind of person who could grow up into what we know of adult Chikai. It's just that he has Toy there to, like, probably keep him a little steadier. Like, he doesn't have to rely on himself so much. Even though they're mutually destructive in my AU. Yeah, I think he would just, like, incorporate Toy into his worldview, so instead of, like, you can't have any connections, he would just be like, it's just us against the world sort of thing. I don't really have, like, a a personal Gucci Twins AU because I just like to listen to Cat's AU. That's pretty much it. But I just like, there are some ideas that I like, which is that the Kuji twins are like really even more insular and like creepy. They're just like the creepy twin stereotype. And I also like it. I've, I've done some stuff with like Yuri's on my Kuji twins and Yuri Kuma AU, where they're just like total antagonists. But, but it's just like them against the world kind of thing. And I like Chikai kind of being like the boss of the relationship, but Toy is like essentially the guard dog. Chikai talks a lot of shit and then gets in trouble and then Toy has to come and help her out. And you also gave Yuri Chikai an undercut and I like that. Oh yeah. Yeah, I did want to mention the undercut. It's just good. Just imagine Chikai, girl Chikai, but with undercut. It's perfect. We didn't need to censor this. We're not getting monetized. (laughs) I didn't want to make anyone uncomfortable. Like in like in the anthology when people complained about Yuri's Anme, I didn't want to make people see boobs. We're not appealing to those people. We're telling <laughs> them to fuck off. Girls are great. Oh, and also just like and then you can do so much with twins AU where where you have like gender bands, like you could have one you know, one twin as a girl and one twin as a boy, and then it's just even just even worse, really. Yeah, it's a whole bunch of mixing and matching you can do with these AUs, and it's so good. And this is how Kuji fans, I think, like, stick around so long. Like, we just have so much we can play with. Just their interesting, like, codependent dynamic and how you can, like, twist it into, like, different scenarios, but it's still that 
codependency. Like, that has to be the sticking point. It's just fucked up no matter what, but it's so much fun. <laughs> and then we can talk about the canon AU, which is the merch AU. Okay. <laughs> so this is the AU that has stemmed from all the merchandise where Shikai and Toy are just happy together. And that's it. That's it. They're, like, happy. That's <laughs> all they want. Instead of the runaway AU, this is actually what they want. They just want to be happy together. Because, like, one of the first pieces of Chikai merch we got was uh, the Co-Collabo one, where Chikai is just, like, a little chibi, and he looks so angry, but but cute. I want it so bad! He's so adorable! I want to feed him soup! Which did spawn its own AUs. Um, I think Akira, we've, we've talked about them before, but um, they had a little mini Chikai comic strip and stuff. Yeah, within a, a not-safe-for-work doge. <laughs> it was funny. It was good. <laughs> but yeah, it's just really cute, squishy Chikai, which is like such a funny... It's so... It's such a funny contrast to what we see in the anime, and then you get this like first piece of merch with him. And he's just a little tiny baby man. <laughs> I want a plushie of that. I want to hold him in my arms. We just need Chikai Nui's in general. What the fuck? Why don't we have them yet? I don't we need to keep- this is why we need to keep the Kuchi fandom alive. So we can eventually get Shikai Nui's, so I can fill my room with them. Because clearly it's worked, because look at the fan response. <laughs> and it has given us all these merch AUs. <laughs> so kind of like next, chronologically, would be the, um, I think it's the Hana Yashiki one. And they have the heart badge, and it's just cute. And we both own it, and it's my prized possession. It is so valuable. Because I took this screenshot where <laughs> it's just that it's just that pin, or it's like a button. It's so tiny, and it was selling on Mercari for at least this was like one of the lower price points, which was two thousand yen, which is like around twenty dollars. I mean, I saw it for above like thirty dollars, and it was so impossible to find too. Like if you found a decent price, I think the lowest I found it for was like fifteen dollars. Um, and the Rail Mabu ones and the Kuji Bros ones were the most expensive. But the even the Rail Mabu ones like went down. I saw it for like ten dollars ish on Mercari, but the Kuji Bros ones never went below fifteen dollars. For one button. For it's just a little button. <laughs> but I'm glad I had to get it for like it was sixteen dollars. But it was worth it because I needed it. Yeah, I got mine because a mutual of mine. Shout out to Erin. She listens to this. She was buying a set with the Chikai stand, the toy stand, and the button, but she only wanted the toy acrylic stand. So she offered up the Chikai and the button, and of course I had to take that offer. Because <laughs> who else would want this man in their home? Unfortunately me. <laughs> and I bought those for 25 bucks, so only five more dollars than one pin sells for online, so... Holy shit. It's like actual gold, okay? And compare that to the Chikai and Enta buttons, which were like a dollar. Yeah, they were like being given away. I think those were like the- I, they. my theory is that those were the dud ones, like the ones that they had the most of, so that people would keep buying more because no one wanted it. Because there was a lot in circulation, but like the Kuji Bros ones, I mean, they weren't getting put up very much. And it was all like, even on the Twitter tag that I was looking at where people were looking to trade, it was mostly people looking for the Kuji Bros ones. And then I think there's the, uh, the stage play merch by Miggy, which is very important because they have matching outfits. 
down to the shoes, which Jakai didn't tie. They're wearing the same shirt. They're wearing matching bracelets. Oh my god. They have matching bracelets. And you can see it's it's blue and red matching bracelets. Their colors. Chikai doesn't know how to read. He doesn't. He's pretending. It's fine. And then you get like, oh yeah, the little um, graph art merch, which is really good because... Um, so it kind of followed the seasons. There was a spring, summer, and then a fall one. We haven't gotten a winter one yet, which is upsetting to me. I really want that winter one. But... So the spring one didn't have Chikai in it at all. And then the summer one had Chikai, but he wasn't in like the acrylic stands or like the other merch for it. Um, he would just got, he got like a keychain. I think I have that. But the fall one, he actually got both got included in the acrylic stands. He even got a separate acrylic stand. And I have it. <laughs> and he was even on the little box with the trio. Yes, Golden Quartet! <laughs> Chica has become a main character. I think I think it's just like it's so sad. These three teenagers and this twenty-five-year-old man who hangs out with them because he has nothing better to do. Yeah, he he's just pretending to coach them through soccer, even though he hasn't played it in years. Yeah, I don't think he knows anything about it anymore. He he just makes up stuff as he goes along. <laughs> yeah, Toy just drags him along because Chica doesn't have any friends, and so that's who he can hang out with. Damn, what a loser. Because he is. Like, if you just put him in reality for a second, he's the biggest loser ever. I love him. So yeah, this is this is kind of an example of uh, what we're talking about when we say Chikai's like, redemption arc that happened after the anime, where he just gets a bunch of cute art and merchandise as if he's not an awful human. And, like, <laughs> I just love how all the merch just implies that, like, Toy is happy with Chikai there. And, like, he seems to be even happier when Chikai is around. As if the show wasn't telling us that, like, Chikai is bad for him completely. It's like an AU where nothing goes wrong. <laughs> where Toy can just be happy. And who wouldn't want that AU? Which is why, going to my next point... Chikai is alive. This isn't good for the audio listeners, but basically Miggy has this um, one painting, um, and it's clearly post-anime. It's three years in the future because Toy is wearing his white shirt, and Kazuki and Enja are in their high school uniforms, and Chikai is there with Toy. He is happy, he is smiling, and he is alive. And that is irrefutable evidence that Chikai is alive. And this is your only proof? No, I have the merch AU as well. All the merch, which, I mean, come on. That couldn't have happened in the anime timeline. I mean, counterpoint, that could be a ghost. He doesn't look like a ghost. He always looks like a ghost! <laughs> he looks as real as everyone else. And look, he's interacting with Toy. He's got his arm on his shoulder. Look, we know that ghosts exist in this universe, but we're not shown how they operate. We just know that in the desire field, you can interact with the dead. But would Ghost Chikai have a lollipop? Probably. Then a lollipop would have had to die with him. And is that possible? No. I mean, he probably had one in, like, a spare pocket or something. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, look at Toy's smile. And he's happy, and that's what we want. So Chikai is alive. And also notice the fact that their head shapes are kind of similar now. There's a physical connection between them that doesn't rely on their shared misery. Yay. Yeah, it does kind of look like they both have an uneven jawline. 
I like that. Also, Chikai's little fang in that picture. It's so precious. <laughs> okay, now we gotta move on. Oh my god, we've taken almost another hour. Jesus Christ. Okay, so this week in the Kuji fandom. Kaucha just doesn't stop. No, yeah, we're still talking about that because that's literally what the fandom is obsessed with still. And it's gotten to the point where there is going to be a web event on June 1st. Yay! On Milk Day! <laughs> that's just surrounding baby cow Toycha. I love it. I can't believe Kaucha has come so far. I'm so proud of him. And there might even be an anthology coming with it. God, I hope so. I would buy it, and I would have to buy it. And speaking of Kaucha, our artist spotlight. It's Kaneki-san this time. They're basically, like, one of the original proponents of Kaucha propaganda. <laughs> Many baby cow toy chas. Yeah, they are still deep in it. They don't, really like, post as much art of it. But the art that they have posted is very cute, and they talk about him all the time. <laughs> oh, I love it. I know. I just love seeing because <laughs> they always write it in um in English with big capitals uh, caps, and they say <laughs> they just say it in English. Baby cow toy cha. It's so good. It's really good. I love seeing that. So yeah, go ahead and follow Kaneki San. Uh, they also have a doujin available, and it's called Kagayaku Hoshio. Or, Oh Shining Stars. And that's one of the doujins I actually have. And they sent it with a little note on uh, some Sarah stationery. And it's in English. And it has a little doodle of Chikai and baby toy. And it's so cute. Yeah, this one, it has preschool toy. Yeah, it has baby toy in it. And, oh, it's so precious, but also so heartbreaking. Like, a big standout scene for me is, like, the scene where Chikai is about to protect Toy from the bullet, but it's visualized as Chikai hugging baby Toy. No. No, don't do that. Oh, <laughs> it's so heartbreaking. Their baby toys are just so cute. Yeah, they draw they draw a lot of baby Toy, and he's very, very adorable in their style. They also do like more manga work with anthologies, so they also Worked on Kuji Gohan, they did my favorite part in that, and then they also did a part in the Genderbent Toy Anthology. I have that one. It's very good also. It's not safe for work, though. <laughs> no. J just a warning. Thank you, Kuji fandom. You're wonderful. We love you. Thank you for Baby Cow Toy Chow. We love Baby Cow Toy Chow so much. <laughs> if yeah, I'm definitely going to participate in the event. Gotta do it. You gotta do it for, for Cow Chow. I love that he's come so far, he's gonna make it to June. And I'm like, I'm just positive that the Kauchak craze is gonna last that long, because honestly, in the Kuji fandom, we cling on to things. Just like Toy and Chikai. No. I feel, I feel like other parts of the fandom, they kind of move on really fast. Like, when they get official art, you know, they move on, and they're like, when's the next official art? But the Kuji fandom, here, we cling on to the every little bit of scrap that we get. Like, even if you see artists that have moved on to other fandoms, they're still gonna do Coochie stuff. Yeah, I've seen that. Like, people who do a lot of, like, now they do a lot of other different things, but they, they still come back. A lot of the Coochie fandom has uh, moved on to this one one-shot manga called Karaoke Iko, which I very much recommend, and I hope that gets localized. Uh, that one has, like, very Episode 8 vibes, where it's a Yakuza basically kidnapping this middle schooler 
to bring him to karaoke so he could teach him how to sing. And this middle schooler just quickly realizes that th that this scary Yakuza man is just a huge loser. Very episode 8. Highly recommend. What were we talking about? Oh yeah, Kuji fandom. <laughs>